John chapter uh, 14, verse 6. Uh, Jesus is saying here, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Lord but by me. Uh, and so, we, of course, we know that verse, that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, um, and that he's the only way to heaven. Uh, but I was reading after uh, Lillian B. Yeoman uh, in one of her healing books, and she said that a, a lie that is partially true is the hardest kind of lie to fight. Uh, a lie that's partially true is the hardest kind of lie to fight. And, you know, especially if you've been in church uh, any length of time, you know, the devil's not going to come and just say something crazy like Jesus isn't the way, you know, something that's just so, you know, uh, so far from the truth that there's no way that you'd believe it. Uh, but, you know, he, he will come and give you some truth, but then throw a little bit of a lie with it. You know, you're a child of God, but, you know, God is mad at you or, you know, you're on your way to heaven, but, you know, uh, you're not going to be able to live in the blessings of the Lord because of what you did yesterday or you know, some kind of a halfway lie that uh, sounds kind of spiritual, but it's not really spiritual if you would take that and compare it to the full counsel of God. Uh, and so, uh, you know, one of the things, and, and I know we've heard, uh, you've probably heard this analogy that when they're training bank tellers about uh, how to find uh, counterfeit money, they don't show them all the different ways that people counterfeit money. They show them all the things that make up a real uh currency what makes it real currency so they show them you know that it's got this particular thing over here it's got this picture over there it's got this kind of lettering over here it's got this coloring over there so they're always showing them what the truth looks like so that when they see the counterfeit uh, it, it's immediately obvious to them well that's counterfeit because i know what the truth is uh, and so really for us as christians we should always be focusing on what does the word of god say uh, and reading the Word of God and meditating on the Word of God so that when the devil, and he will come, so when the devil comes with a partial lie uh, or a partial truth, you go, you know, that doesn't line up with the, uh, everything that I know in the Word of God. Uh, and the devil is, is very uh, adept at getting people who are not fully versed in the Word of God to come up with crazy philosophies and crazy ideas and uh, things that just aren't right. And, um, and you see that, you know, in the church that people that, you know, you've known them for 20 years, and if they've advanced in their spiritual walk, you know, you can't tell it. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I've had people tell me, you know, I've grown so much, you know, in the last couple of years spiritually. And they never asked my opinion, you know, because if they asked my opinion, you're like, uh, really? Not even at all, you know? Uh, and it's because they wouldn't go back to the Word, you know? They, they would just, they would stay in their emotions and, and um, uh, be involved with what they can think and feel, but not with what the Word of God says. Uh, and so what I, you know, of course, around here, we always encourage everybody, read the word. Amen. We've got a Bible reading schedule back there. You know, read the word for yourself. Read the word of God to find out what it says for you. Uh, because the more that you read the word of God, the more stable that your spiritual life is, the more stable that your, your mental life is, the more stable that your financial life is, the more stable every area of your life will become uh, because you're reading the truth. Amen. You're reading what Jesus said is the truth. Uh, and... Um, you know, I can't tell you how many things that people have told me over the years, you know, especially when I was a younger Christian, that would kind of set me back and, and get me off track from the Lord. Just, you know, unkind things people would say or just people would do. And then you, you read the Word of God and, you, well, Lord, this, what you just said here is in conflict with what they said or did over here. And then your life gets back in line, in alignment with the Lord. And you, you cast off those things from yesterday. You cast off those ideas those partial lies or partial truths that people would say to you that, uh, 
because you know it's unfortunate, but many times they're motivated by the devil, and um, you know it's it's unfortunate that they do that. Uh, and, and why that is, you know, there's a thousand and one reasons why, you know, it's not important really why they do that. Uh, but what's important is for us is to know what the truth says. Amen. Uh, because like uh, like uh, Dr. Yeoman said, uh, a lie that is partially true is the hardest kind of lie to fight. So it's 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 it becomes difficult to fight that because uh, a lot of time and I've observed that many times that people will believe a lie or a partial lie. And then, you know, I'll come to him, well, the Bible says this. Well, I just can't accept that. And, well, why can't you accept it? It's what the Word says. Yeah, but I just, I feel like this or I believe this. Well, that's all well and good, but that doesn't line up with what we just read in the Word of God. Uh, and, and, and I have observed that for many people. It's, it's very hard to get people back uh, in, the right pla- in the right place if they have believed a partial lie because there's no... You, you can't confront it. When you do confront it, they just, I just, no, I can't, I can't give that up. You know, I can't, I can't uh, move beyond that. Uh, and so, but if you'll train yourself that, you know, I want to know the truth. I want to live by the truth. I want to walk by the truth. I want to believe only the truth. Uh, and that uh, if there's anything that I believe or think or know, that, is, that uh, as I obtain more information from the Word of God, if those two become in conflict, then I will set aside what I think or know or believe and will will pick up the word of God and continue with it. And that should be, you know, a normal part of your your daily walk with the Lord, right? That there are things you set aside that you believed yesterday, that you thought yesterday, that somebody told you yesterday, and that when you read the word of God and, and get more light and more wisdom and insight into what the word says, then you set that aside because otherwise you're never going to grow. You know, you're going to be static where you are. You're going to be uh, just stuck in the place where you are spiritually uh, and you'll never attain to the things that you, that you know you desire. Amen. Uh, and so uh, I thought that was a good phrase there. But a lie that is partially true is the hardest kind of lie to fight. And in my own personal life, I have dealt with many uh, partial truths that people will say to me and uh, people try to beat me up with and uh, people try to constrain you or to put you in, in some kind of a spiritual jail that locks you in that in that path maybe for the rest of your life because of something they said that's not even really true, but, you know, it's maybe sound kind of true, right? Uh, and that's the worst ones that kind of sound true, right, but aren't really true. Uh, and so uh, if it sounds kind of true but isn't true, you got to move on, amen? Uh, and so because Jesus, he is the way and the truth and the life, uh, and, uh, uh, and he's my standard, not what people say or people have, uh, have done uh, against us, Amen. Uh, and so, praise God. Well, let's stand and greet each other for just a minute, and then we'll get into praise and worship. Precious and mighty Father, we thank you for your goodness. Father, there is none like you. You are worthy, Father, of all that we are. You are worthy of all glory and power and honor and space, Father. You are the great King of the earth, the great God of the universe, Father. God and you are my king you are my master and my lord father I worship you and you alone I worship no man and I worship no God you're the only one father worthy to be worshipped and father I thank you you alone are worthy father 
all glory and honor and power and might and dominion, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, you have come to dwell in the hearts of men. And for that, we thank you, Father. You dwell and live on the inside of us. And for that, we thank you, Father. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I believe we need to lay hands upon the sick today. If you're not well in your body, if there's something that you're dealing with in your physical body, if you'll come up here, we'll pray for you. Amen. The power of God will go into your body, affect the healing and a cure. He's still the God of healing. He's still the God of power and might. Father, we thank you for being good to us, for desiring to heal our bodies, Father, to keep us well and whole and strong, Father, all the days of our lives, so we can accomplish all that you desire for us to accomplish in this earth. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father. Father, we declare with our mouths that we are the healed of God. We live in divine health, Father. And by your power, Father, through your spirit, we will remain strong and healthy, Father. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your healing power. In the name of Jesus that goes into this body and affects a healing and a cure, Father. And every aspect, Father, Father, in the muscles, and the joints, and the bones, Father, in the blood. Father, we thank you. In the name of Jesus, for divine health and healing, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for healing this body. Causing this body to be strong and well and whole, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for this body, Father, that is a container of the power of God, contains the Spirit of God. And Father, I thank you that the Spirit in this physical body, Father, the eternal life of God that lives in it, will cause this physical body to be well and whole, Father, and strong in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. He is the healed of God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And Father, I thank you for strength in this body. Father, strength, Father, that she's not known, Father, even for many years. Father, strong in her physical body. Strong, Father, to do all that her heart desires, to accomplish all that you desire for her to do. So, Father, I thank you for increasing strength. Thank you, Father. This body is the healed of God, well and strong in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. 
And Father, every virus and germ, Father, that's a hindrance to your work, Father, we curse in the name of Jesus. Just as you rebuke the fever, Father, we rebuke viruses and germs, Father, in this body. We command this body to be well and whole, strong, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And Father, you desire this body to be well more than this body desires to be well, Father. And so, Father, we lean upon your desire. We thank you, Father, that your desire will be met in this physical body. And it will be strong. And it will be healthy. We thank you, Father. All the days of this life, will be strong and healthy. And someday, Father, you'll say it's time to come home. And that day, Father, he'll go home. But between now and then, Father, many years to come, strong and healthy, Father, this body will be in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. I need to crank the door or two. Uh, yeah. Father, we thank you. Physical body is strong and healthy in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Be strong and healthy. Father, much work lies ahead of me. And it can only be accomplished, Father, with the well body. Father, both in the natural realm, Father, but in, also in the spirit realm. Much work. Much work. But a well body, Father, is necessary. So, Father, we declare this body to be well and whole. In the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Father, we thank you for your healing power in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for divine health in this physical body. Eternal life, Father, in this physical body, Father, drives out sickness. And Father, it also affects some healing and a cure in this body. To be strong and whole and healthy, Father. And free, Father, from age-related symptoms, Father. She's not required to have any of that. The world says that. The doctors say it. But your word says, Father, that she has the right to be strong and healthy. And your word, Father, is the only truth in existence. Father, we declare this body to be strong and healthy. In the name of Jesus. Thank you. In the name of Jesus. 
Thank you. Thank you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Diane, I need to pray for you if that's okay. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You put your hands out. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you for these hands. Father, these hands that you've called from before the foundation of the world to be a point of contact to transfer your power into others around you. Father, I thank you that your power resides in these hands. Thank you. The power of God resides in these hands. Thank you. Yes, Lord. Father, your desire has been for your power to be transferred from what's inside of Diane, Father, into the lives of those around us, into the lives of those around her, Father. Miss Diane, I'll tell you what the Lord told me. He said, but your mind has hindered that. Your thoughts have hindered the desire of the Lord. And he would encourage you to renew your mind, to know that you are his child, his vessel, your heart so much desires to be a great vessel of the Lord. And your, your mind has hindered you in that. Thoughts of being unworthy or incapable, unknown. But his desires have never changed from before the foundation of the world. And his power has never waned and is always available. Be encouraged that his desire is the same as your desire. And to renew your mind to his desires. Whatever the, the master desires, you as his servant are willing to do. Cast aside thoughts that, are, that would hinder his mood and his power being demonstrated in the earth through these hands. Father, I thank you that these hands we cause great testimony. Father, they will carry your power into the earth. They will affect those around her. As she contacts those around her, your power will be transferred from the everlasting eternal life that lives in her, Father, into those around her. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for great testimonies, Father, to be seen and heard in your goodness. In the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you. Father, we thank you 
for the presence of the Most High God. Father, we thank you. That is the example that you showed us in your word, Father. The cost and the handkerchiefs were taken from the body of Paul, Father. They carried the power of God at some distance, Father. And effected a healing and a cure, Father. And not only a healing and a cure, Father, but deliverance from the work of the enemy. So, Father, we lay hands on these cloths today, thanking you that your power will reside in these cloths and will travel at some distance, Father, to affect a healing and a cure, both in Miss Nancy and Miss Vicki. We thank you, Father, that your power will always be present to heal. So, Father, we thank you. Our faith is in your power and in your spirit, Father, and not in these squares of cloth. We thank you for your goodness and mercy, kindness to heal your children to cause them to be well so Lord we thank you your power causes the work to be done and we give you the praise and the honor for it in the name of Jesus thank you in the name of Jesus thank you Thank you, Father. Praise God. Is the Lord good? Is He kind to us all the time? Amen. We appreciate His kindness and mercy. We thank God for watching over us. Amen. We thank God that we can live in divine health all the days of our lives. Amen. It's a great way to live, and, and um, we thank the Lord for it. Amen. We thank the Lord that uh, he's given us his word. He's given us his power. He's washed us in his blood. There's really no, no, there's really no reason why we can't be successful. You know, sometimes our mind will play games on us. And, and, um, uh, but really, the only thoughts that the, if you really boil them down, you'd have to come to the conclusion that whatever your mind thinks, that your mind is telling you that it's, it's greater than the power of God and greater than the word of God and greater than the blood of Jesus. Uh, and of course, uh, we all know, I mean, no, none of us would say that, but sometimes our mind kind of acts like those things are so. Uh, but, you know, sometimes it's good just to say things that what your mind is actually thinking. So you're thinking that, that my past is greater than the blood of Jesus. And of course, if you'll say it that way, you know, you'll, you, you just will react to that. Well, there's no way. But those subtle half-truths, you know, get into our lives and, and we live that way sometimes for days, months, weeks, or years even. Uh, and then we wake up one day and realize, you know, everything that, that was said was not true. You know, words that have been said uh, in the past, uh, just because they were said doesn't make them true. Uh, even if you said them, even if somebody that you know said them. That's right. There's been lots of things said to me that, you know, even years later, uh, I have said with my own mouth, none of those words were true. Uh, because none of those words were true. But those words from me have to be said to, to put those thoughts to rest, amen? To put those thoughts of, well, I'm unworthy or whatever mistake I've made, I'll never, I'll never recover from that. And, you know, people say things like that. And, you know, the Lord is a great redeemer. He spent thousands of years to redeem us, amen? 
why is it that somehow one thing we did 87 years ago is more powerful than something the Lord did 2,000 years ago? Uh, nothing we've ever done is greater than the, the power to redeem us from our own past. Amen? The whole purpose of redemption is to redeem us from our past. If we were perfect, we, didn't, we were in no need of redemption. Amen? Uh, and so don't allow the, 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 the thoughts of the devil or thoughts of other people to hinder you in your path from the Lord. Amen? Because people, do, people hate successful people. People hate people of faith. It's just they hated Jesus. And of all people in the world to love, he would have been the easiest one to love in the world. And yet they hate him because he was a person of faith. Uh, and uh, if, the more that you become a person of faith, the more people will dislike you. And they'll say that just the worst things, uh, they'll, uh, just to try to uh, change your course and direction from being a person of faith to being a complete and total loser like they are. <laughs> so, you know, that's just the way it is sometimes, right? And so uh, misery loves company, amen? Yeah, and and uh, they don't like to stand alone in their own misery. They want you to join with them, amen? Uh, well, we're not going to be involved in misery, amen? We've got a great king and a Lord that we serve. And so uh, we have been talking about being overcomers, and um, the Lord desires us to overcome uh, how much of the world? The whole world, amen? Is there any part of the world he does not want you to overcome? Is there any part of the world that he has not overcome? No, no part of the world has he not overcome, amen? So uh, when you think, well, I don't know if I'm going to overcome that. Well, Jesus has already overcome that, amen? amen. And so our, our foundation scripture is here in John chapter 16, verse 33. He said, these things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. Well, right there, you know, uh, you ever know people? I know people that are just... Their whole lives are turmoil. Every day it's turmoil. Every day it's a fight. Every day it's, it's theater. Every day it, it's uh, drama. Every single day. Uh, and Jesus said, you can have peace. You know, I'm going to have peace if everybody else is in drama. Amen. Jesus said, he didn't say, in me you might have peace unless somebody else has drama in their life. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I told you I've had... People come up to me, I, I said, I, I have no drama in my household. You come to my household, it's just peace and quiet all the time. The days of heaven upon the earth all the time. Well, you know, you don't get that at no cost. There's a cost to do that. The cost is, are you willing to surrender to the Lord uh, every day, right? So it doesn't come for free. Uh, there is a cost, but it doesn't cost money, but it does cost uh, you willing to yield to the Lord. Uh, and so... Uh, and I've had people come up to me, one person came up to me after service, I hope all your grandkids are rotten. <laughs> and then they just come and just ruin your household. I mean, that was kind of their attitude about it, you know. It, why do they wish that upon me? Because their household was rotten, you know. And Well, I mean, you're the only one who can change it. Uh, you know, the Lord can't change the drama in your household. You're the only one who can change it. Uh, and if you don't want drama, you cannot have drama. Amen. If you, if you don't mind drama, you know, uh, I, one thing that Pastor Nancy Dufresne said years ago, he said, people of faith don't like drama. People of no faith love drama. I thought that was a pretty good statement, amen? And that's what you'll find. If you've, got, if you've got a household full of drama, the people in a household will have no faith. You've got a household that's full of peace and no drama at all, people in a household will be people of faith, amen? Uh, and so I don't do drama, amen? Uh, and uh, just the other day I had a family member trying to stir something up with me. It's like, amateur. I mean, amateur, right? Yeah. You're not going to stir anything up with me. You know, amateur, you know, come back when you got a real game. Amen. Uh, and uh, I just let it go. You know, I'm not going to start with that. You know, well, you didn't do this. You didn't do that. Well, I didn't do that, but I'm not going to stir up any drama. You know, I mean, 
uh, but they started accusing me of things, other things, and it's like, well, no, we're not, uh, we don't go down that path, amen? We just, we just move on, amen? Uh, and so why? Because I have peace. You know, one definition of peace is free from the ravages of war, amen? If there's peace, that means there's no war. How many people are war at war every day with somebody, something, right? The IRS or the Walmart or, you know, whoever it is, right? The insurance company. Uh, you're at war all the time, you know? I've got peace. Uh, he said, in the world, you shall have tribulation. Uh, he didn't say maybe. He said, you will have it. It's there, right? Why? Because it's full of the devil. Uh, and so the world is full of tribulation. But it be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Uh, so how, we can live at peace and be of good cheer. That's a pretty good deal. I mean, that's, uh, you know, the thing about the Christian life is we've got the best, uh, best product to sell in the whole world. Amen. Guaranteed peace all your life. Guaranteed uh, freedom from, from tribulation or freedom from, from the ravages of tribulation all of your life. Uh, free to be a full cheer, uh, of good cheer all your life. That's a pretty good deal. Amen. What's it cost? Well, it uh, it's a little thing of everything, right? It costs you a whole life. Are you willing to give it up, right? See, w w the problem with people think, well, uh, they think, well, I want to live like a heathen, but I still want all the blessings of the Lord. But what, what value is there being a heathen? If you, wouldn't you, if people say, I'd trade everything in the world just to feel good. No, you wouldn't. You lie. Because if that was true, you'd gotten it. Because all you got to do is trade what you want for the Lord and, and he'll give all, you that, all of that to you. People say all this stuff like that all the time. None of it's true. I'd give anything to be at peace. No, you wouldn't. Give up what you want to do and, and follow the Lord and you'll be at peace. Amen. Uh, he said, in me, you'll have peace. He didn't say, you know, do whatever you want to do and you have peace. He said, in me, you've got to get the peace through him. Amen. Uh, and, and, you know, but people say that. Doesn't sound good. I give up. I'd give up. I'd give anything to be at peace for just one day. Lie. It's not true. I mean, you can, get, you can do, have peace right now. What's wrong right now? Well, I can't. I'm, I'm working on it. Oh, you ain't working on it. It takes about five seconds to work on it. Amen. And then you're done. Yep. Oh, you can't just say it. You know, you're you're preaching false hope. I'm not preaching nothing. I'm just preaching what the word says. Jesus said you can have peace. He didn't say after 10 years of struggle and trying to get it, you can have it. He said you can have it anytime you want it. You want it right now? It's 1131. How about 1132? You want to be at peace? Uh, are you, if you're willing to do it, you can have peace right now. Amen. You don't have to wait till, till 1145. Well, you know, I'll get it in 10 minutes. You don't have to wait for 10 minutes. You can get it right now. Amen. All, all these lies people, people say all the time, you know, and, and we've told them ourselves to ourselves many times, right? Oh, I'd, I'd give up anything, you know, for that. No, you wouldn't. No, you, you wouldn't give up anything for it. I remember, remember there's rich young ruler. Jesus had one thing you lack. He didn't give him a list of 87 things. Here's a book. If you get through all these things, maybe you'll have easy one thing you lack. One thing. He's like, eh, can't do that. Lie. I've tried so hard to get a piece. No, you haven't. I've tried so hard. You know, I mean, I've, I've seen parents, you know, and, and, you know, and we're not mentioning names, but I remember one parent in particular, you know, they never would take care of their kids. You know, the kids are just kind of rotten and, and just, you know, all the time in trouble, you know, uh, stealing and, and all kinds of things. And, and uh, getting in trouble with the law and all, and all kinds of stuff. Oh, I tried the best I could, you know. No, you didn't. I saw you raise them. And you never would discipline them, and they'd just go up and slap somebody. You wouldn't do, oh, wasn't that cute, you know. Uh, go and just, you know, just whatever. I mean, you know, kids, I know kids can be kids, and no kids are perfect, and, and we sure don't preach the kids ought to be perfect and just sit there and not do nothing, you know. I remember 
I remember uh, one of the friends of mine, they'd make their kids come to church and sit on, you know, during practice, sit on the front row and not move. Like they're a kid. You got to, kids got to move, right? Uh, it's okay if they move. Uh, you know, I know it's, they got to have some constraints sometimes, but you know, it's okay for kids to move. Uh, but I just tried my best. No, you didn't. You know, you ought to just repent and say, well, Lord, I didn't do them right, you know, but uh, help, let's help them where they're at right now. Amen. Because, you know, he can redeem them from that. Amen. He can redeem any. Uh, there are no lives lost. Amen. Amen. There are no lives that are unworthy for the Lord to redeem. Amen. People say, well, you know, uh, I mean, what if you raised your kids wrong all your life? I mean, uh, uh, my parents were not the, what you'd call the best example of a Christian life. You know, uh, I don't even not even really sure if my parents were Christians. You know, and and uh, I mean, we grew up cussing and smoking and drinking and frying pans thrown through the air and, and, and uh, fighting and fussing between my mom and dad. And uh, I mean, just. Yeah, it was being like raised by wolves all the time, you know, uh, and, and just in the house, there's fighting, you know, I mean, not just, you know, people say, well, you know, uh, dad's really mad. Like, you don't know mad. You know, I know my, my, my brother took, picked me up by my head one time and threw me against a wall because I, he, I did something he didn't like. Now that's, that's real fighting, right? And we'd get in fist fights and I mean, just fight each other, you know. Uh, and my brother told me to go get him a, a glass of Kool-Aid one time. And I said, no. And he punched me across the room. And I'm just like eight or nine years. He just punched a little kid all the way across the room, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was reminding him of all these things at a wedding one time. And he said, I thought you was a preacher. I, I said, I am. He said, well, you shouldn't be lying. I didn't do any of that stuff. Uh, and so, uh, you know, <laughs> I think Johnny got to meet him at, uh, at a funeral one time. And, and uh, he go, I didn't do any of that stuff. He did all that stuff, right? I was his indentured servant for years. I had to make his bed every day. And if I didn't do it, you know, he just beat me up. You know, I mean, it's, and I don't mean just say things. He'd punch me and kick you and, you know, throw you, throw you on the ground and stomp on you. And, uh, and um, that, you know, that, that's, uh, that's not a life that you, but, you know, you can be redeemed from that. Uh, do I look like I feel bad because all those things happened to me? Would you even know that those things happened to me if I didn't tell you that happened to me? No, because I'm like, oh, you know, my life was so hard. Oh, it was so hard to make my brother's bed all my life. You know, it was so hard. And, and, no, it, it just, it was a thing. Amen. Who cares? Right? The Lord redeemed me from all that. Amen. Uh, and so, don't, don't, you know, all, the, all these excuses that you hear all the time about how hard life is and how I'm trying so hard. No, you're not. It's just a decision. You go to the drive-thru, do you want fries with that? I oh, don't, let me go pray about it, you know. Nobody prays about it, they just make a decision, yes or no. Well, I don't know, you know, let me go take a poll. Nobody does it, it's just a decision, right? If you, want, if you want the peace of God, if you want to live free from the ravages of war, it's just a decision. It's, do you want to, do you, you know, how much are you willing to give up? Because the Lord's going, well, you've got to give up that attitude. Lord, I don't want to give up that attitude. You don't know what they've done to me. Well, then, then you don't want peace. Well, you know, uh, if, if you want to have, if you want to live an overcoming life, then he's going to be just like the rich young ruler. Well, then one thing you lack. If you want to overcome life, you got to do one thing. Well, that's one too many. Can we do it for free? No, one thing. No. You know, you don't negotiate with the Lord. You know, if he says one thing you lack, well, Lord, how about zero? Can we go to zero? If we go to zero, I think I can do it. Maybe. Uh, and so, because when I found the Lord, when I found the word of God, I was so happy because I think, Lord, I knew when I was born again as a, as a teenager that I was a mess. Uh, how I was raised was a mess. And, and I, I'm not trying to disparage my mom and dad. They did the best they could. They didn't know. Nobody trained them or taught them, you know. Uh, you got 11 kids after a while, you know, they don't remember your name. I mean, they, just, they start calling you just names, you know, and Bob, Fred, Joe. And the, the more names they got wrong, the madder they'd get, you know. And, and what, whoever you are, get over here. 
and and so, uh, you know, in all my life, I you know I I told, I was telling somebody I remember one time, my dad uh, just uh, and he didn't, it wasn't even a hug. I don't remember, I never remember being hugged by my mom and dad in my whole life, right? I'm not saying it'd make you cry, you know. I'm not, oh, look, you daddy, you're going to hug me. And don't come up and hug me after church. Oh, I'm going to hug you now, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not crying for a hug. It's just, it just the way it was, right? There was no affection in my, my household growing up. And I remember one time that, uh, you know, my dad uh, showed a little bit of affection to me. And it still, I mean, in all these years, that still uh, was a point that I remember clearly in my, because that's the only time I remember my dad ever showing any physical affection towards me. Uh, it, uh, all my life growing up until he passed. But it doesn't change me. It doesn't affect who I am. Uh, when I got born again, I realized, Lord, everything I want, the peace of God resides in your word. Yes, yes. Uh, the, the victory over the whole world resides in your spirit. Yes. And if I'm willing to do whatever the cost is, whenever he comes to me and says, one thing you lack, yes, Lord, I'll, I'll be glad to do it right now. You've got to stop thinking like this. You've got to start doing this. You've got to stop uh, and a lot of it is just thinking and attitudes and uh, just things that are internal to me. It wasn't so much I had to change, you know, my hairstyle or, you know, a lot of times people go through change of life and they'll change their hair and change their clothes. And well, they're just changing natural things, right? They'll grow a beard or not grow a beard or whatever it is, you know, shave all their uh, facial hair, shave all their hair off, you know, uh, whatever it is. That, but they're just doing natural things. Uh, 99% of the time the Lord's ever dealt with me about changing is things in, inside of me. What I think, what my attitudes were, uh, what, I, what I did as far as him. Uh, I remember one time he told me, he said, uh, he, he said you know, uh, you live a, a, a life of faith events. Uh, he said, you'll, you'll, go through, you'll go through months and won't, won't do anything with me, won't pray, won't believe me for anything, and then something will happen and you'll use faith to fix that particular event. He said, I said that you're supposed to live a life of faith. The just shall live by faith every day. Well, that, that's, you know, that's how he's corrected me all my life. Uh, he would use the word of God. The word of God says this, you're not doing that. Well, Lord, okay, then I'll, do, I'll start doing that. I'll, I'll start applying faith for things that other people say don't even matter. I'll use faith for those things. I'll live by faith everything, every, every single day. I'll live by faith. Uh, and, and, that's, you know, and, and as far as I know, that's the way he deals with all of us is, is uh, what things, in fact, Jared was talking about the other day uh, on Wednesday night about it's not the things that, uh, uh, that go into a man that defiles him, it's the things that come out of him. What's, what's thoughts and words comes out of man is what defiles them. Uh, and that's what he's going to work on is what's on the inside of you. That's what he's going to work on all, pretty much all your life, amen? So do you want victory? How bad do you want it? You know, if you want it bad enough, you can have it. You know, and I don't mean to say... You know, some people, uh, I remember one minister said, well, you know, unless you eat oranges for a whole year uh, in, in your first year of ministry, God can never use you. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Oranges. Why not tangerines? What about grapefruit? What if you're allergic to oranges? You know, how, why not cupcakes? I love cupcakes, you know. Eat cupcakes for a whole year, and then God can use me, right? God's not using us because I eat oranges for a whole year. Amen. That just shows your lack of faith because God isn't he our provider. Didn't he say that he would, he, would, he would provide you in everything in your life, right? right? Didn't he say, but my God shall supply all your need? Yeah. He didn't say, but my God shall supply all your oranges. He said, but my God shall supply all your needs. So, yeah. so it, but it, and I've heard so many things like that about the ministry that, that unless you suffer in some way, God can't use you. Well, why can't you watch somebody else suffer? So go, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I'm not going to eat oranges, right? 
Uh, I mean, it's just so many things like that. Now, you will suffer. The suffering that you'll do with the Lord is suffering when you've got to change. When he says you're going this way and you need to go that way. And sometimes it's painful to switch and, and, to, and to let everybody know, you know, I've been wrong for 20 years. I've been wrong for 30 years. But see, and sometimes that can be painful in your pride and pain, painful in your mind to change that and, and to, to constantly remind yourself, no, I don't do that anymore. No, I don't say that anymore. Uh, and that transition from who you used to be to who the Lord wants you to be sometimes is painful in that regards. But he, he's not going to go make you eat oranges uh, you know, Brother Hagin always talked about the first year of his ministry when he left his pastoring the church in the first year of ministry that he traveled. He was broke. He said at the end of the year, he was like $100 behind, which back in the Depression days, it might as well have been a, you know, $100,000 behind. Uh, and, and he said the, it wasn't because the Lord was trying to prove him and cause him to be poor and to cause his children to not be well fed and his wife not to be well clothed. It was because he was wrong. And, he, and he, you read his is teaching about that the lord said what i learned you know how i learned to be prosperous you know, to a book similar to that a, a mini book he wrote uh but basically it was that that uh, uh he, he the scripture that he started with was there in isaiah chapter one i think it's verse 19 it says the the, the willing and obedient shall eat the good of the land and he went when he went on to the ministry full-time ministry traveling ministry he was obedient to do what he said but he never really wanted to travel he wanted to stay home and be with his family so he was obedient, but not willing. And the Lord said, it's because you're unqualified for the verses why you're not receiving what the verse promises. And because he was obedient, but not willing. Well, you know, obedience is easy to measure. Are you going? Okay, well, then he looks like he's obedient. Well, he may be obedient, but you can't measure willingness because that's on the inside. You may look like you're going through all those things. You may be doing all the, uh, the right things as far as men would measure. But in your heart, if you're not doing what's right, you're not willing. And a lot of Christians are doing what looks right, but they're not willing to do it. They're just doing it for show or doing it because they feel obligated, but their hearts aren't really in it. Uh, and that's where Brother Hagin found himself. And so when he went to the promises of the Lord and, and told the Lord, said, hey, this promise is there, but I'm not, I'm not living in it. Well, you know, what's the deal? And the Lord said, you're not qualified. And so it wasn't because the Lord was trying to teach him humility by being poor. It's because he was not doing what the, what the word required him to do to receive the promises of the word. And he said, don't tell me it takes a long time to change and to get willing. He said, just right there in my heart, I made that change. Now, on the outside, nothing changed. He was still going to all the services, still preaching all the same things. But in his heart, he made one slight adjustment. And from that point on to the rest of the days of his life, he was never in want for, for finances. Uh, and that, so it wasn't because, well, you've got to suffer sometimes. You're being poor uh, to, to, uh, to preach or whatever the thing is, right? Uh, some natural thing. It's not in the natural realm that we, that we obtain the goodness of the Lord. It's by doing his word. Amen. And so uh, we want to be overcomers. We want to overcome in every area of our life. Uh, Jesus said he's overcome the world. That means we have the capacity to overcome the whole world. He's already done it for us. We just have to learn how to live in that. Amen. Uh, and so he went through the different churches, through the seven churches uh, there in the book of Revelation. And we're here at the fourth church, at, at the church at Thyatira there. And he, and he told them... Uh, for them, they, uh, uh, and we won't go and read through all the scriptures again. Uh, we're gonna, we've got some other scriptures we're going to read in relation to them. Uh, but he said several good things about him. He said, I know your works, your charity, your service, your faith, your patience, uh, and uh, your increase of works. He said, but you allow uh, or permit or to uh, suffer and to not restrain Jezebel. 
a self-proclaimed prophetess, uh, you know, uh, someone who looks like they're important in the church. You won't constrain her. Uh, you allow her to teach. Uh, she is seducing Christians to fornicate. She is seducing Christians to eat things sacrificed to idols. Uh, and so you're allowing this to go on. Uh, and, and one of the hardest things in the church to do is to see somebody of some importance and to have to then constrain them. Uh, they come into the church and they, they swoop in and they're all wonderful and they all, you know, pastor, I'm here to help you and whatever. Uh, you know, in all the years that I was with my pastor, I can't tell you how many times, you know, I sat in a sound booth so I could see the backs of everybody, right? How many times somebody was sent up and say, pastor, God has called me to this church. I'm here to serve you. And it seems like every time they said it, a week later, they're gone. Uh, and, and, you know, now I was just a young Christian at the time, but I made an observation of, Lord, why do they do that? Why do they stand up and, and say that? And then they're gone. Well, for one thing, I know that anytime you say something, the devil immediately tries to get you to violate your word. Because that way he can keep you a, a, a being like a liar like everybody else in the world. Right. And, you know, people, if your word's no good, your faith is no good. Uh, and, and so I just made a point in my own heart because I knew the Lord had called me there. Just like all those other people said. But, and I knew the Lord had called me to that church. And to be with my pastor, the Lord said, go there. He said, go, he's got things to, for you to learn. Yeah, and and uh, he didn't say that they were all good things. He just said they were things, right? And so I learned a lot of good things. I learned a few things not to do. Uh, but I just made a point in my heart. Lord, I'm just going to show him by my actions uh, of what the Lord told me. And so for the next 20 years, I was with him. Uh, and, and through thick and thin, right? I mean, he tried to get me to leave the church many times, right? It would be the, so unkind to me for years. But he's not the Lord. The Lord is the Lord. And the Lord's the one who told me to go there. He didn't, the pastor didn't tell me to go there. The pastor didn't, didn't call me to go there. The Lord Jesus, the head of the church, called me to go there. And so I went, and, and in spite of how unkind he was to me for many years at the, at the end of his life, the first many years, it was wonderful. But, it, but uh, in the, kind of in the middle it wasn't so good no, about the last two years of his life you know maybe about the last one year maybe six months you know i don't know it's getting closer you know uh, it got a little better uh, and we reconciled you know before he went home to be with the lord but you know he couldn't get rid of me because the lord called me there amen uh, and so uh, but so many times people would stand up and say uh, pastor god's called me here and i don't have a problem with with people doing that but but really uh, for me, it's more important that if you've said that, then you've got to prove it. You've got to show it. Yeah. it talk is cheap, you know. Uh, but but uh, so if you're going to say it, fine, say it. But then live up to what you just said. Yeah. Uh, and if something's changed, you know, I've heard, but, well, well, God changed his mind. He didn't call me here anymore. <laughs> really? Uh, you got book, chapter, verse for God changing his mind somewhere, right? Uh, and I mean, I don't think God will God ever call somebody out. He might call somebody out of a church, but you know, it was always, it was always, uh, interesting that God called them to leave the church when things got hard for them. It was always exactly the same time that things got hard for them. Right. Uh, and, and so, uh, I'm, I'm not mad at anybody, but, but I saw that just many times people would get up and say things, you know, uh, and, and you know, uh, you want, you want to paint a, a bullseye on your back for the devil. You get up and declare what the Lord said to you. And the devil will try to get you to, to change what you've said, to go against what you've said. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, so it's it just, uh, she stood up and was somebody in the church. And they didn't want to get rid of her. They didn't want to deal with her. Uh, and she started uh, uh, poisoning the church with her words and her actions and her teachings. And, 
And, um, uh, you know, she, she called herself uh, a prophetess. Uh, and, you know, I've got no problem with people calling themselves something. Uh, you know, I'm a pastor and teacher. I don't have a problem, you know, people telling what, they, what role they are in. You know, Brother Hagin said many times that he was a prophet and a teacher. Uh, you know, uh, Dr. Dufresne called himself a prophet and later on an apostle. Uh, and, but, you know, just because people say things don't, doesn't mean anything to me. I'm going to, if they say that, okay, then I'm going to watch for the fruit of, of that thing. If they say they're that thing, then I'm going to watch for the fruit of that thing. Amen? So do they have the fruit of being a, a prophet or a teacher, right? Number one, do they follow the word of God? Number, you know, do they follow uh, the plan of God? Uh, and so people say a lot of things, but, you know, it doesn't mean anything to me until I see the proof of that in their life, the fruit of that in their life. Amen. People can brag about whatever they are uh, in whatever capacity in the church they are. But you know, I remember one, one fellow called himself an apostle. I'm an apostle. He was like eight years old. You know, I mean, you know, he might have been a little older than eight, but, you know, uh, I mean, you're not an apostle. Uh, I mean, where's the fruit of your life as an apostle, right? How did you get to be an apostle? Uh, what, what did you, you know, I mean, Paul was a prophet and a teacher before he was an apostle. What were you before you were an apostle? I just started out that way. The only ones who ever started that way were the apostles of the Lamb. Everyone else had to get promoted up to be an apostle. Uh, and so, but even then, the apostles of the Lamb were always with Jesus for a period of time prior to them, him assigning uh, them being apostles. And so, anyway, you know, but she called herself a prophetess. And they wouldn't deal with her. Well, you know, that, that's, uh, uh, if you want to poison your church, you allow people to, to have cliques in the church. Uh, I don't have cliques around here. And I've seen people trying to have cliques till those just get off and separate themselves. Well, if you're too good to be around other people, why are you, why are you even in church? Uh, and I, I've seen so many snobby people be in church. Too good to be around the riffraff, you know. Uh, and, of course, they think I'm riffraff, too, you know. They find out how I was raised. You mean you weren't raised, you know, with a silver spoon in your mouth? No, well, well I'm not sure we want to be around you. Uh, fine, I don't care. Jesus likes being around me, so, you know, I'm in good company. Amen. Uh, but, you know, if you've got to click, be a click around people because of their economics or their education or whatever, you know, the Bible says you're, you're, uh, you have an evil intent. You know, you're not like the Lord Jesus. He'd be around everybody. And how many times do people complain about you're around the riffraff? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm trying to be like Jesus. Amen. Not that none of us are riffraff. We're all children of the most high God. Right. But but people will say, well, you know, you're different than me or you're poorer than me or you're, you know, whatever than me, you know. But some people will do the, They'll do the opposite, too. Oh, well, you're rich. I don't like being around rich people. You know, well, then you're you're a respecter of persons. You're, you have evil intent. I'm around anybody. I don't care. Rich, poor, black, white, yellow, green, short, fat. I don't care what you are. Uh, you love the Lord. I, we're friends. Amen. Amen. And you don't love the Lord. I'm still going to try to be your friend to help you get to know the Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, and so, but sometimes you've got to de- uh, deal with a Jezebel. Hey, you need to be quiet. If you, don't, if you can't be quiet, you need to move on. Uh, you know, I'd have no, I've never had to do that, but I've got no problem with doing that because I'm not going to poison the people in a church to protect one important person, one person who thinks they're important. Amen. Uh, and really, that's part of the job of the shepherd, right? We're, we, we feed the sheep, but we also guard the sheep. Amen. Uh, and so uh, sometimes shepherds give up their job because, well, I don't want to offend that person because they'll leave and take all their money with them. Well, then they're your source and not the Lord Jesus. Amen. Uh, you know, there, there's so many things that have gone on in the church like that over the years that they've allowed uh, to come into the church. Uh, and the, the shepherds have not dealt with it because they're not true shepherds. You know, they're, they're just, oftentimes they're just hirelings. Uh, and so he said, 
Uh, and really the only negative, he's got a lot of good things, but really the only negative has been this one woman. Uh, now, she wasn't the Jezebel from Ahab because she'd been gone for many years, obviously. Uh, but uh, it's not like she's probably in the same spirit of Jezebel, right? And so uh, he told him, uh, if you want to change, if you want to overcome, here's how you've got to do it. Number one, repent if you've been with Jezebel. I mean, you know, you think about that. She was teaching the church how to fornicate. And he said, you want to overcome? Just repent. He didn't say shoot all the people that have been with Jezebel, bury them and, and, and throw them out of the church. He said, just let them repent. Uh, in fact, what did he say about Jezebel? He said he gave her space to repent. Even to the very woman, the, the, the ringleader of all the sin in the church, he said, I gave her space to repent. You know, that, that's a wise, kind, loving God. That even the worst person in the church, he still gives them space to repent. Uh, and, you know, uh, uh, we should also do that in, in the church, right? If someone's not perfect, give them space to repent. Don't just judge them and, and want to bury them in the backyard immediately, you know. Uh, and, and so, but give them space. To, and if they don't repent, then you deal with it, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, there, there is a lot of things can be done with in private that ought to be done with, dealt with in private. Just pull them aside and say, hey, you know, what you're doing right here is not, is, is not right. And over the years as a pastor, there have been many people I've pulled over aside and not publicly pulled aside, said, hey, this right here, this needs to straighten up. And I'll do that as now other times the Lord said, don't say anything. OK, Lord, you know, if the Lord says not to say anything, you know what? It's easy not to say anything. Right. But other times he said, you, you go and find them. You go talk to them. And you know what I'll do? I'll go and find them and talk to them. Now, the spiritual ones have always recovered fine after that. The, the ones who aren't so spiritual, who thought they knew more than the Lord Jesus himself, you know, they're everywhere, they're ever where they're at. Amen. Uh, and, and I've even told some, look, I, I, I want to help you here. And they got mad because they were there to rebuke me. And I said, well, let me help you. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, I still would help them. Amen. Uh, and so he gave them space to repent. So, you know, you've got to give space. I've had so many people come to me mad. Well, this person in church is doing this thing right here. Why are you mad about it? Is Jesus mad? He's not, you know, he's going to give him space. To, isn't he going to give him space to repent? He gave Jezebel space to repent. And she's misleading the church, lying about being a prophetess. Not just misleading the church, but, but, but leading them into sin. Specifically, I want, I want you to go sin with me. And, he, and Jesus said, I'm still going to give that person space to repent. Now, people come to me mad and mad. Well, you've got to deal with this, you know. I'm like, who died and they made you the head of the church? Why don't we pray and see what the head of the church would have us to do? Instead, you've already decided, you know, well, I'm without sin. I'm going to cast the first stone. Give me the stone. Give it to me right now. I'm going to be in front of the line. You know, I'm just glad some of those people that, that I know weren't back there in John chapter 8. If Jesus said, let him who without sin cast the first stone, they'd, uh, I'm, I'm first. They just, right, you know, you, you know, oh, you cut line? I'm getting in front of you. You know, they'd cut line to get to the front of the head and start throwing stones. I'm just glad, you know, because Jesus, Jesus knew. Now, if certain people were there, he could have never said that. He who was without sin cast the first stone. And, and you know, there'd have been a, throne, a rock thrown through the air right then. I've got one right here, Lord. You know, it just, uh, you know, we should all, you know, think about that. He who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. You know, when you're dealing with the sin of others, uh, remember that verse. Are you without sin? Have you never made a mistake in your life? Oh, thou perfect one, right? Uh, can you not give somebody else room to repent? I don't know. Sometimes you, it, it will come to a point where you may have to ask them to move on. But you can still do that with love. Hey, you know, you, you uh, because sometimes people can't change until they leave, 
And, and you know, if that's the case, then let them leave, right? Because for whatever reason they get in, in their mind, that they get, they get boxed into a, a, a lifestyle or a thinking or mentality that, that the only way they're going to get out of that is to get out of the, the physical building. Even if it may be wrong for them to leave, you know, uh, sometimes they've got to go somewhere else. And then that's fine, right? Now, look, everybody that's ever left the church is not an evil person. Oh, yeah, yeah. everybody's ever left. They've not all been in sin. They've not all, you know, it's between them and the Lord Jesus. I don't know, you know, about every single person that's ever left the church. That's between them and the Lord Jesus. Uh, and so, because he's the head of the church, not me. Uh, so, the, but there are some times when you've got to deal with people and, and ask them to leave, and, uh, and they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do with it. So, but even the people that sinned with her, he said, you know, if you've sinned, repent, change, and then you'll overcome. So, so to overcome here, they had to repent, not cast anything out, not name, use the name of Jesus, not say three Hail Marys, to repent, and they, were, they would become an overcomer. Uh, and then he told them, to hold fast the things uh, that you have if you didn't sin. So, you know, people that would sin, they give up, they give up things, right? Uh, but, you know, a lot of people be like, you know, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to go do that. And for those people, Jesus said, well, hang on to that. Hang on to that, you know, that you're not going to give that up. Amen. And I just wanted to read a few verses uh, in relation to that. Turn over to First Thessalonians. Because for the, the second group of people, he told them to hold fast. Hang on to, to what you've got, right? Uh, and, and, you know, sometimes in your faith walk, all you've got is hanging on faith. Uh, and sometimes that's sufficient. That's what the Lord Jesus told you know, the folks here. And he, and he said here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, verse 21, prove all things, hold fast or keep that which is good. So in other words, everything you do, everything you think, uh, prove it, right? Review it. Make sure it lines up with the Word of God. If it does, then hang on to it. Keep it with all that you are. Because there are plenty of things that you have that you hold dear that's good and, and godly and Christian that the devil and people around you will try to get you to, to set that aside. You know, you, you're just oh so nice. You know, there's nothing wrong with cussing. You never say anything bad at all. You, you know, you need to live like the rest of the people, you know, be a human being. No, I mean, you know, no problem at all, right? I've not cussed since I was 12 years old and gave it up then as a bad, as a bad job. And, and uh, we've been married 32 years. You ever heard me cuss, you know? You've heard me, you know, scream a couple times and stub my toe or whatever, but I've never, not in 32 years, right? And long before that, I, you know, I quit cussing too. But people will say, well, you know, it, nobody can live that way. No, it, it, whatever, you know. Hold fast that which is good. You know, I, I mean, my, I grew up with an alcoholic mother. I've never seen alcohol do anybody any good. And when I read the Word of God, I see there's no need for it anywhere in the Word of God. And so I've chosen not to live that way. Uh, and I remember we went on, a, went on a mission trip one time. As soon as we got on an airplane, uh, uh, one of the evangelists said, said uh, well, you know, I, I need, because they sell little shot, shot bottles of alcohol, right? Whiskey and whatever. I mean, I don't know what's in there, right? Uh, he said, I need that to sleep lie i mean i thought my bible says that, that he gives his beloved sweet sleep as long as they take a shot of whiskey right is that what it says uh, maybe it's a new the, the new the new standard version i don't know is that is that anybody got a translation like that you know as long as you take a shot of whiskey you can sleep no uh see i'm gonna hold fast my bible says i can sleep fine everywhere i go i'm gonna hold fast to that well brother you know sometimes you just need a little help to sleep you know a little pill here you know uh gotta have a Perfect humidity and the fan is spinning at exactly 67 RPMs, right? And, and it's got to be, you know, certain weight of the, the, the blanket, right? Not too heavy, not too light, right? And, and then maybe you can sleep. 
No, I'm going to sleep on a stump because my, my Bible says uh, with, that uh, he gives his beloved sweet sleep. And I'm going to hang on to that because how many people in the church are, have to take sleeping supplements? And look, if you do, I, I, I'm not beating anybody up. But don't lie and say that that's necessary because God can't help you, right? It may be necessary because maybe your faith isn't as strong as it needs to be in the word of God. Or, you know, I'm not trying to disparage anybody, but don't, don't make up things like I have to have that. Because as soon as you say I have to, everything after that is, is it true or not true? Not true, right? I have to have, you know, a shot of whiskey to go to sleep. No, you don't. I mean, not, not, I'm going to hold fast to what's truth. Amen. Prove all things. I'm going to, you, you mean you have to have a shot of whiskey? Yeah, that's what the Bible says. You've got to have a shot of whiskey before you go to sleep. I'm going to prove that. And you know, when, you, when you prove it, what's the conclusion? That ain't so, right? So when he said that, is that so? It ain't so. Now look, he may just like whiskey. I don't know, you know. And you, it'd be better to say, man, I like to get a shot of whiskey when I travel. All right, you know, whatever. I mean, uh, at least it's not as much of a lie as it is I have to have one, right? So, uh, but Jesus said, hold fast to the things that you have, because there will be people all the time, even in the, now he's, he's talking to the church, because people in the church were trying to get the people in the church to quit, to quit what they were holding on to. You've got to give that up. You've got to quit being so, so righteous, you know. I remember I, I'd go to church, and there'd be one of the guys in the church, he loved telling dirty jokes, right? Not like a pig fell in the mud dirty joke, but, you know, like, you know, dirty jokes that you don't tell in church, you know. And so they'd start telling a dirty joke, and I'd be like, uh, I hear my mother calling. And I'd, I'd say something like that. You know, I'm not old enough for this conversation. I would leave. And they would get mad at me. Oh, you just think you're so good. You think you're so spiritual. You think you're better than all of us. But then we, what, why? Why do they say that? Because they're trying to get me to give up. Because my Bible says that, that, uh, that don't have coarse jesting, right? There's nothing wrong with... with having fun and cutting up and, and good, but don't be crude about it. Don't be rude about it. Don't, don't say things that are, that are just ungodly, you know, telling dirty jokes. Uh, and, and so uh, well, I'm going to hold fast to that. That's what the Bible says. That I'm going to hold fast to that. And I'm not going to tell a dirty joke. You know, I can tell a joke every now and then, but, uh, you know, I'm not going to tell a dirty joke. Uh, and so, but they would get mad at me. Why would they get mad at me? Because they were trying to get me to give up the things which I hold fast. You know, don't ever be the person who causes somebody to, to walk less in faith. Don't ever try to get somebody to walk less in faith because you are. Don't ever, you know, well, you just can't help worrying. What are you doing? You're trying to get the person over there who's not worrying to start worrying. Because your lack of faith, you feel bad about it, and you, misery loves company, and so you're going to try to get them to, to let go with what they're holding on to. And I can't tell you how many young Christians I've seen get sidetracked because somebody that was older than them who was not walking in faith would, would sidetrack them in their faith by saying something like that. Uh, that, uh, you know, I remember one thing that uh, 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 Pastor Michael Jacobs said out of Indiana. He said, pastors, whatever you do in moderation, your people will do in excess. Uh, and so, you know, I could just say some minor thing and it could cause people to to get sidetracked in their life. Uh, and so I have to make sure that whatever I say has to be words of faith and not just, well, you know, sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And if I said that, then somebody would be only losing everything because they would do what I say in, in moderation, well, you know, uh, then I guess I can never be a winner. They would take that to an extreme and never, never win at anything. Now, I want to live at 100%. Even if I don't always get there, I'm just going to live at 100% to the very best of my ability. And I'm going to prove everything. Now, he, didn't, he said prove everything. He didn't say prove everything unless it comes from somebody important. Unless Brother Hagin said it, then you can't prove it, you know. Well, unless the pastor says it, you can't prove it. 
Uh, if the pastor says it, you just got to take it and do it. You know, you can't, you can't prove that from the word of God. Uh, no, you prove everything. Every word I say, you got to go back to the word of God. Is that so? Is that true? Can you live that way? Does the Bible say you can live that way? Well, you know, I just, I just disagree with that. Who cares what you think? That's the right. most tired excuse. Well, I just don't see it that way. Mm. That just shows how immature we are. Well, so what if you don't see it that way? See it that way. If that's the way it's to be seen, then that's the way it's to be seen. Change who you are. Amen. Right. Don't make some excuse, well, I can't live that way. That's just hard. Well, you know, nobody can live that way. You know, from the day I got born again, I wanted to find people who were successful in God. Not financially. I mean, that's fine. That's part of it. But, that, but, but who lived a life of victory? Lord, how did they get there? And then when I saw the cost, I had to decide, is it worth the cost? Is it worth the cost to lay down who I am to be that person? Uh, and I decided it was worth the cost. I decided it was worth finding out whatever it is that they did and gave up. And the things they gave up was not, well, I've got to give up, you know, chocolate chip cookies and got to give up TV. No, it was giving up thoughts and attitudes and, and, and uh, beliefs that were just wrong. And they would give, when they gave those up, then they found victory in their life. Uh, and that's what, I, uh, that's what I wanted. You know, I don't, I, don't want, I don't want to live a mediocre life. I don't want to live a life that, that's just, well, you know, you just, sometimes you've got to put up with just, you know, some things. And I don't want to put up with anything. I want to live in complete and total victory. Jesus said, I've overcome the whole world. You know, he didn't say, you know, I'm, I'm about 80% done. About 20%, I still can't overcome that over there, you know. But, you know, maybe someday I will. He, wasn't an, he was not an 80% kind of God. He was, he's a 100% kind of God. He wants you to have the capacity to overcome every single thing. But he said, you've got to <clears throat> prove everything and hang on to the good stuff. Because people will come to you and try to get you, hey, you quit believing that. Hey, you quit believing that. The world, you know, I had a boss one time uh, said, well, you know, good guys finish last. Because he knew I wouldn't lie, cheat, or steal. And, and you know, I know he was the boss, but I said, no, they don't. Now, I wasn't mean about it, rude about it, you know. I said, no, they don't. Uh, and, you know, he'll, uh, I don't know if he's still alive or not, but when he dies, he may say he was a vice president of some grand poobah position, you know. That's it? That's all you did was you was a vice president of some position? Uh, uh, he said, good guys finish last. He's the same boss who said, you need to go down to the accounting department and lie about our books. Uh, and he tried to get me to see, this is the t same tactic the devil uses. We were in a staff meeting with all my peers, and he was there. And I was the, really the youngest one on the team. And he said, you need to go down and lie to the, he didn't say lie, but you need to go down and tell the accounting department something that wasn't true. And, and you know, why is he doing that? Because he's trying to pressure me in the midst of that uh, to change. And I just looked at him right there in the middle of I said, I said, I'm not going to do that. And, and from that point on, the Lord spoke to me. He said, hey, you watch it. He's against you now. Why? Because I dared to stand up to him. But he's not God. He's, he's not even a little God. He's not even a little a lowercase g God. Uh, I mean, he didn't even write to that. But, you know, sometimes people, oh, he's my boss. Well, you know, you, we respect our bosses and we honor them according to the word of God. But if he tells me to do something that's ungodly, which he did, then I got no problem right in the middle of everything. saying I'm not doing that. Uh, and I did. I told him I'm not doing that. Uh, and, and, and the Lord gave me the wisdom to, to still hear what the, the Lord still gave me the wisdom to do what he really needed done without violating any principles of the word of God. Because he, he needed the books to look good. 
well, okay, if that's the goal, then, then I can make them look good by doing right. See, he wanted to make them look good by lying. Well, let's just do what's right, and, 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 the, and the Lord will provide. And, and, you know, if you're willing to do that, then you'll be okay. So Paul told uh, the Thessalonians, prove everything. And, and, you know, and for me, from the day I got born again, I, I never receive a single thing anybody says unless I prove it from the Word of God. I don't care who they are. I don't care what their last name is, whether it's my pastor, whether it's elders in the church, whether it's Brother Hagen or any other minister. I, I prove everything. I, I'm not, and it's not that I'm suspicious. I'm doing what the Word of God says to prove everything, to make sure that what you just said is so. And then if it's so, then I'll do that. No problem. But until I believe it's so. But I hear so many philosophies coming out of the pulpit that's like, well, that, you know, you made that up. That's not even Bible. You make that up, you know. I remember one minister said, I never apologize to my kids. Well, if you do wrong, what's wrong with apologizing to them? Well, you know, it's going to diminish me. It diminishes you more to not apologize when you're wrong. Because now you teach, teach, teach your children, when you're wrong, hide it. And when you're wrong, act like you've never done anything wrong. Uh, Jesus told the, 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 the church at Thyatira, the first thing is you do is repent, change course and direction. Well, sometimes it's necessary to go and apologize, you know. Uh, I know there's no book, chapter, verse about apologizing, but, but they were, you know, their attitude was, I don't have to repent and change and show my kids that, to do right. Uh, and so, uh, and then at the end of it, hold fast. Hold fast. If you'll hold fast, you'll be good. Long term, you'll be good. Short term, some pe- people may not like you. Short term, some people may say things against you. But long term, you and the Lord, you're always going to be okay. Amen. Uh, and so there, uh, I know we got to go, but there's just a couple of verses we'll, we'll read when we come back uh, about this. But there, there's a lot of a lot of the scriptures talk about holding on to these things because there's a lot of pressure to change. You know, even in, in the church, so much pressure to change in a church, so much pressure to give up what we know to be so right and to make our church look like a honky tonk or or, you know, a dark dive or, a, you know, a, a bar or something to, to look like the world and sound like the world uh, because, you know, we want people to feel comfortable in their flesh. Uh, it, 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 but people that are comfortable in the flesh are uncomfortable in their spirit. Uh, and, and you get people that are uncomfortable in the spirit realm. They want to turn the church into a fleshly building. Then even the spirit of God won't be comfortable there. And that's what happens is, is when we get so comfortable in our flesh, even the spirit of God becomes uncomfortable there. No, we're going to hold fast to that, which is good. Now, that doesn't mean we'll change, we can't change. You know, we can add new colors and change. The, you know, we, we, the Lord, uh, he's very creative, amen? And within the confines of the Word of God and the Spirit of God, you can advance and do things differently. You don't have to do them exactly the same way you've done 40 years ago, but you don't have to give up. You, don't have, you can prove everything and hold fast to that, which is good, amen? Uh, and so, praise God. So, we changed today. We went from a, a, a headset mic to a handheld mic, right? Uh, and... and uh, did, did the Lord change? Did the Lord leave the church or anything? No, uh, but uh, praise God. So can we do it? Uh, we can do it. Hold fast. Prove everything. Amen. Uh, that's what he told to the to the church at Thyatira. Pre- they should have proved Jezebel and said, "Well, what she's saying is crazy talk. Uh, we, we ain't doing that." That's what they should have done, right? But the, oh, it's Jezebel. Look, she's got money. She's got position, right? She calls herself a prophetess, and the Bible says, you know, that uh, that, it, that you've got to believe his prophets. Well, it does say that, but it says believe his prophets. It didn't say believe someone who calls himself a prophet, right? Uh, and so, but to believe prophets as long as they're his prophets, right? If they're speaking something that's not so, in that moment, they're not his prophets. They're just some guy or some girl in this case, right? Uh, and so, praise God, people love to take 
Bible verses like, you know, believe his prophets and turn it into a law that no matter what the prophet says, you believe it. No, uh, Paul said prove everything first, and then you then it's okay to, to move on with it if it's correct. Amen? And that's really biblical to do that. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And, Father, you said that one way that we can overcome is to prove everything and to hold fast that which is good. And if we do that, Father, we can live a life of overcoming in this world. We don't have to be subject to the, to the whims of the church, Father, people that are actually in the church trying to, to sway your people away from the truth. Father, we can stay the course and never change, Father, and always grow and increase in you. So, Father, we thank you that we can overcome and be like your church, Father. Be like you. You said that you've overcome the world, Father, then we can overcome the whole world just like you. And, Father, we thank you for that. And we give you the praise and the honor for the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? You know, it's, it's interesting to me there in, in 1 Thessalonians uh, that we just read there about um, proving all things. Because if you remember, uh, uh, and Jared, if you'll come ahead, we'll get ready to receive the offering. If you remember back in, in Acts uh, 17, uh, Paul had just come from Thessalonica, and they threw him out. And he went to Berea, uh, and it says that the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians because they, they read the Scriptures daily to see if what Paul had said was true. So the Bereans were doing what he told the Thessalonians to do here, to prove all things and hold fast that which is good. And the reason, I think the reason why he told the Thessalonians to do that is because they didn't do that when he was with them in Acts chapter 17. The Bereans did that, but the Thessalonians didn't do that. So he's having to go back and remind them, hey, be like those Bereans over there, you know, because you weren't doing that when I was with you the first time. So anyway, it's a little bit of background history there. So come ahead, Mr. Jared, receive the offering. We appreciate y'all's faithfulness and giving. Amen. Uh, we haven't updated the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the loan there for the church, uh, but I think we owe about $9,000 on that. And um, I'm really waiting to find out what the final bill is on the building before we pay off that other loan. Um, I think we've got about uh, 50, uh, more than $50,000 in our account right now. So uh, I don't really know how much it's going to cost to finish up the uh, plumbing building, but we'll get that done, and then, and then uh, uh, we'll be out of the debt uh, uh, here real soon. Amen? And so the Lord is good. Amen? So don't forget we have uh, healing school today at 3 o'clock. And um, uh, you all have a wonderful week in the Lord. Amen. Be blessed, and, and uh, we'll see you next Sunday.